If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch, crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. still a first-round pick? How early would you take Aaron Judge if you were drafting today? Let's find out. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Memorial Day, Monday, May 30th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we're redrafting the first two rounds for the rest of the season, which is always a fun exercise, if I do say so myself. And we have some mailbag questions at the end, if we get to them, if we have some time. All right, fellas, we are just two months into the season. What word would you use to describe this baseball season thus far? Scott, we'll start with you. I'm just going to say frustrating. It's been frustrating. It has been just... For, I, I don't know, I guess the third straight year dealing with major major influences from the outside. It's not just about players doing what they do on the field. Uh, there's been the, the increased use of deadened balls. There's been the universal use of humidors. And, and you know, that seems to be having an effect on... Uh, on how, on how the ball plays. And, and uh, so obviously, I mean, we're, we're kind of having to figure out on the fly what that means for every player. And, and uh, the balance between pitching and hitting is, is changing. I mean, it's so drastically different now from just 2019 that, yeah, I mean, it, it makes it hard to assess players on the fly and it, it, it makes it so, I mean, fittingly, so you, if you could go back and redo things, you probably would redo a lot of things. Like, I'm not going to draft a pitcher in the first round. I don't know if either of you guys will as we go through this exercise, but like, I, I want the hitting more. I want the hitting more based on what I know now. Yeah, no, I, I think that is perfectly fine. I mean, we're we're going to become meteorologists by the end of this season because we're trying to figure out how the humidity affects different locations and how offense will rise in certain places throughout the season and maybe not as much in others. And it does make it hard to assess fantasy baseball from, you know, uh, a micro level with player-by-player player analysis and even a macro level. What does it mean for the entire game right now and, and the fantasy game? So it has been frustrating. Chris? What do you think? A word to describe this season. And Chris is frozen. We were talking just beforehand. He was like, ah, oh, my connection's kind of messed up. I don't know what's happening, but we'll go with it. And yeah. here we are. I'll, I'll add this to, to what I was saying earlier is what what makes it so frustrating is that I, I don't feel like with all the kind of foundational changes going on that I, I can even trust my approach. You know, you're always going to get player picks wrong. That's that's part of the game, but I, I don't even know that I'm approaching the game properly right now, and uh, I'm pretty unhappy with the way most of my teams are performing, and I'm not having a lot of fun. Not having a lot of fun. <laughs> uplifting start here, but you know it's the way it is. Hopefully, we'll get some. Hopefully, things will stabilize in the next couple of years. I hope so, Scott. The word for me was confusing, which I guess is not all that different from frustrating, but. 
it was early on in the season. We had a bunch of contact pitchers excelling in April. And then in May so far, it's been a solid offensive bounce back. Solid. I mean, not you know, back to where we were. And I don't think we're going to get back to that level, but we're still trying to figure everything out here. So for me, it's been confusing and I hope it kind of clears up as the season goes along. And here he is. Christopher Towers is back. How would you describe the season in one word? Uh, can I use the word that Scott already chose? Cause I think frustrating is the right word. You sure. know, this is the thing about, prognosticating sports is it's always going to be difficult even with you know like in baseball there's we have a lot of information that helps us make predictions about the upcoming season we have thousands upon thousands of data points player at bats pitches like all, all this stuff we can get really granular with it and so when it feels like we just don't know anything it's really really frustrating because this is it's already hard to prognosticate when we have all that information and we have an idea of how far a batted ball is going to travel when it's hit. Like these are, these are things that are difficult enough without not even, I don't care if it's an extreme environment one way or the other. My preference would be for a little more balance. I, I think it's generally a bad thing when there's too many strikeouts and too little action. Um, but mostly I just want a predictable environment mm. and that's what we haven't had is yeah it, it seems more more than ever the last few years and and look it's possible that just this kind of thing just happened regularly in the past and we just weren't attuned to it because we didn't have the level of granularity that we have now you know it, it's it's possible that that's an explanation and that we're just, we're hyper aware of well, these kind of changes. And, and, and these changes were, if not normal, at least happened in the past. And we just kind of chalked it up to this is a good year for pitching, or this is a good year for like, I would guess that's something that has happened in the past. These manufacturing irregularities in the ball and all that stuff. Well, but, I mean, if, if you're talking about the past as in like maybe the eighties were different, maybe the sixties were different then yeah, you're, I, I could definitely see that. But during the, the time people have been playing fantasy baseball, I mean, we have yeah. home, we have home run to fly ball rates going back to 2002. So 20, this 21st year of them. Yeah. And, there was this six-year six year span from 2016 to 2021 where they were way up. And then everything before that, it was, based, it was very consistently between like 9.5 and 11.5. And this year, it's, it's in that range as well. But during that six-year span, the juice ball era, it was more like 12.5 to 13.5. And so yeah. it was, yeah, it really stands out. All right. Well, we're in it together, guys. Let's try and figure out what is going to happen for the rest of the season. And we'll do that with our redraft of the first two rounds, the way this is going to work. We're going to rotate picks until we get through the top 24. So we'll go Scott, Chris, and myself in that order. With that being said, Scott, you are on the clock with the first overall pick. All right. Well... I'm not going to think too strategically here in terms of I wonder what they're going to pick. Maybe I can get this guy with my next pick. I, I'm just going to go straight with who this is who I think everybody should take number one if we're redrafting. And I want to stress from today forward, numbers already accumulated. It's not like we get those anymore. We're, we're just predicting what happens from now on. Taylor Ward's not going to be drafted. I, I feel confident saying that. Uh, but number one pick for me is Mike Trout. Because he has come back from the lost season looking every bit like Mike Trout, looking like uh, the player who's been regarded as the best hitter in baseball for you know the decade prior to last year. And at a time when offense is so unpredictable and unreliable, that's what I want. I want that rely I want that assured studdom that I can count on Trout to provide. I guess you could make the injury risk argument against him. You could make a stolen base argument against him. But stolen bases seem to be, you know, it seems like there are more sources of them than we thought there were going to be, one. And two, 
I don't think that the nature of his injuries are the kind that we can expect them to keep happening over and over again. I think that's kind of overblown. He looks healthy. He's playing like Mike Trout. He's my number one pick. And the injury last year for Mike Trout was a calf strain. How has that affected him? Well, zero steals. But Trout is still in the 95th percentile for sprint speed, according to StatCast. So I have a feeling if he wanted to run steal bases, he probably could. It's not really a part of his game anymore, but batting average, home runs, counting stats, OPS over 1,000, fantastic in points leagues, plate discipline is still there, averaging four fantasy points per game. If I reference any numbers throughout the course of today's podcast, again, we're recording this on Thursday, dropping it over the weekend, so keep that in mind. And hopefully, hopefully, nothing happens to these players over the next couple of days before this podcast comes out because that would be terrible. All right, Chris. You, <laughs> Chris, you're up with the. We're so we're so cheery today. <laughs> Second overall pick goes to Chris. Who do you got? You know, it, it's interesting because I feel like we don't know anything new about Mike Trout, and the I don't know if you were fading him for injury risk, you should still be fading him for injury risk, right? Isn't that the the kind of consistency? That we we, we I don't aim know. I, for. I thought people were fading him because they were afraid he wasn't going to be ready to go. I thought that factored into the decision I, I I'll just say I thought people were fading him too much, mm-hmm. and so I'm glad to see everyone's on my side again. Uh, no, um, I, I, I actually did too much too. <laughs> I I did think he was going to steal bases more than he has, so I'm a little disappointed there. But yeah, he's. He's awesome. Second overall pick. I'm going to go with Jose Ramirez, who, I don't know, it feels kind of lame. Like, oh, Jose Ramirez has been so good so far, so just take him. And it's kind of reacting to what we've seen so far. But, yeah, he's, he's awesome. And, you know, Trey Turner's not hitting the ball as well as he has in the past. And so, you know, the concern with Trey Turner when I was ranking him the number one overall player was, you know, okay, if the power breakout that he's had the last couple of seasons doesn't sustain, you know, is he really worth the number one pick? He's still going to be awesome. Jose Ramirez, there's no questions about his performance. He's as good as we've ever seen him, arguably. I mean, he's got an 8% strikeout rate so far this season without sacrificing any power. So... Yeah, I think Jose Ramirez is just, I don't know, Trey Turner might have more upside. Maybe Juan Soto has more upside if you hit like 330 like he's capable of. But right now, I would go Jose Ramirez. Although, look, I considered Acuna. Third base has been as terrible as we thought it was going to be. Like the gap between the haves and have-nots of that position is stark. So... Uh, we're, we're going to see as this plays out, but I have I have multiple third basemen in my first round for exactly that reason, and I also would take Ramirez second overall. The top three third basemen right now in Roto Leagues, Machado, Jose Ramirez, Rafael Devers, they're all top 11 players. Then you have Nolan Arenado as the 44th overall player. Your fifth-ranked third baseman is Patrick Wisdom, 78th overall, and then after that, you're climbing outside of the top 100. Yeah. So it really maybe, it's like maybe not anymore. By the time people listen to that wisdom, I don't think is going <laughs> to be the fifth third baseman for long. Like I, I would still consider Austin Riley among the high end third baseman. I could still consider Alex Bregman among the high end third baseman, uh, even if their performance to date doesn't have them in that range. But beyond that, there's not a lot, uh, not, not a lot you can rely on. All right, third. Yeah. Anything, Chris? Oh, I was just like, Rendon, I think, will be fine. I think Bobby Witt's going to figure it out. I think Cabrian Hayes has a big stretch coming up. But yeah, like I I don't think I can go further than 11 or 12 that I feel good about. So it's sort of splitting hairs either way. All right. Well, speaking of Jose Ramirez, by the way, he is actually ranked higher than Mike Trout in both Roto and head-to-head points so far this season. Best version of him that we've seen, OPS, over a thousand career high woba weighted runs created plus Jose Ramirez is awesome. Third overall pick. I'll preface this that Ronald Acuna is dealing with a groin injury when we're recording this, so I don't know if anything is going to come from that. But he's been dealing with that and and a couple other things so far, quad here and there. Maybe I'm overreacting. I, I'm going to take Mookie Betts, who is having a just ridiculous May so far and. Maybe it's just confirmation. I needed to see him healthy, whatever it is. 
he looks like Mookie Betts, and he looks outstanding, and he's approaching a 300 batting average, and the power is there, 12 home runs so far. He has 44 runs scored in 41 games. That is a 173 run scored pace. No, I don't think he's actually going to do that. Uh, the speed has kind of fallen off over the past month. Everything else is there. He leads off for the best lineup in baseball. I think you go in a couple of different directions here, but I'm going with Mookie Betts, third overall. So I have Betts ninth, but I'm 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 okay with you taking him third. Like I I feel like when it, so I have a, a written version of this out on the site already, and um, I felt like I have the right players in the first round, but I'm not at all confident in the order I put them. I, with bets, I would I would just say two things. Uh, one is that like he is he is not going to sustain his current current pace. You mentioned the runs. He's also on pace for a career high home runs. He's not going to hit a career high in home runs in this environment. I feel pretty confident saying that. He's also slowed down quite a bit in, in terms of actual sprint speed. Three stolen bases so far. That's an oh, well, it's not a great pace really. It's 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 more like a it's right around ten, yeah, yeah, more not not the pace we're used to seeing from Mookie Betts. And uh, after the issues with the hip, and, and just given how deep the Dodgers lineup is, I, I don't know that there's much incentive for him to run. So that's why I have him lower in the first round. But like, I think you could take Mookie Betts with any pick in the first round and be pretty happy with it. Yeah, the 4.5 fantasy points per game so far this season is also better than Mike Trout. It's just behind Jose Ramirez. So uh, Betts back on track, awesome May. And Scott, you're back up fourth overall. All right. So you left Acuna for me. I guess yeah. I'll take Acuna. You got it. I wish he was in the lineup more consistently, but I think as the season goes on, that it's going to become more consistent. He's you know still in the early stages of returning from that torn ACL, but he's been he's been running with reckless abandon. He's he's been stealing plenty of bases. That has not the health of his knee has not uh, hindered him. At all. And if he was completely healthy at the start of the season, he would have been the consensus number one overall choice. So I think think I'm happy to get him fourth overall here. Eight steals in 17 games is a 70 stolen base pace over 150 games for Ronald Acuna. So he is running a crazy amount right now. He's absolutely crushing the ball. 94.6 mile per hour. Average exit velocity for Acuna uh, is the highest that we've seen from him. And the barrel rate is there. Everything's awesome. Uh, strikeout rate up a little bit, but uh, I think he should be great as long as he's healthy. That's what we need from Acuna. Chris, you are up fifth overall. I did want to quibble with if he had been healthy, he would have been the consensus number one overall pick because there's another guy who, if he had been healthy, would have been the well, consensus overall pick. And I, I, I thought didn't, I didn't say if both of them were. I wish I wish Fernando Tatis was closer because I think he would be a really interesting player to discuss in the yeah. first two rounds. I don't know given that he still hasn't been cleared to swing, whether he would make it into the first two rounds. I don't know if he made it into yours, Scott. Um, no, I, I considered it, but yeah, no. it's, it's tough to justify. So, all right, well, I'm going to go with the guy who up until very recently has been my number one player and is still in the top tier of players, Trey Turner. The power production hasn't been there. He's on like a nine homer pace, 10 homer pace. He's on like a 40 steal pace also. He's hitting 290. So I'm not really concerned. Trey Turner, uh, quality of contact metrics are actually all still pretty good, arguably better than they've been in the past with the exception of the fact that he's hitting the ball on the ground more. And, you know, maybe that will remain an issue and he'll, he won't be the, you know, 25 to 30 homer guy that he's been recently, but I still think he's very much capable of that. And so I still think you're getting absolutely one of the best five category contributors in the game. Weirdly on pace for fewer than 75 runs right now, which is stunning in that lineup. He's driving in bets. He's driving. Well, yeah, he's on pace. He's on pace for like 125, 130. So, you know, if you add them up, he's on pace for like 210 combined, which is probably about right. So and Freddie Freeman is on base a lot ahead of him too. So yeah, he's yeah. kind of making up for it with the RBI. And you're fine with that. Like that's yeah. Like, RBI and runs are kind of interchangeable. I don't know. Maybe you built your team to have 110 runs from Trey Turner and he's disappointing you there, but 
Probably not. I see very little reason to think that Trey Turner isn't going to be better moving forward than he has been so far, and he's already been pretty good. So, um, yeah, I think Trey Turner is absolutely still in the discussion for the number one player, especially in Roto Leagues. Um, Head-to-head points leagues, less so, but still an elite player. I I agree he's in the discussion, and and as I just said with Mookie Betts, you know, I wasn't confident in how I ordered my first-round players. I put Trey Turner a little lower because he... Among all the first rounders that we're going to discuss here, I think his it's it's the most questionable for him whether his power is going to play in this environment, and that's what's been lacking. But the most so far, not really. The way he's hitting the ball, he should be fine for power. I mean, he's 89th well, percentile on average exit he, velocity. He is 89th percentile. percentile this year. He's he's normally closer. So like he's he's probably sure. he's probably impacting the ball harder than he normally does right now, and still hasn't gotten the home runs. And I imagine that exit velocity is going to regress just based on his track record. A little bit, although he was 78th percentile in 2020, 73rd in 2019. So I, I do think like the the breakout has been more about you know, tapping into some of the latent power, but also hitting the ball in the air a little more. And so I I do think like the 6.2 degree launch angle right now, I would bet on that being higher moving forward. Uh, He is, Trey Turner is one of the few first rounders who I think I feel confident is going to be better moving forward than he has been so far. I agree with that, especially from a power perspective, as you guys have laid out here, his home run to fly ball ratio for Trey Turner, 7.7%. That's almost half of his career mark so far this season. And his average exit velocity on fly balls and line drives specifically is up this year compared to last year, yet his home run to fly ball rate is down. So that doesn't really make much sense to me. I think more power is coming, as we'll talk about later on with Freddie Freeman. I think more the power other, is coming there. The other well. point in Trey Turner's favor is he's the only second baseman we're going to yeah. consider. Second base has been... Uh, well, it, it, on the high end, it's been even worse than third base, but it also has that that sharp dichotomy between the haves and have-nots. Yeah, yeah. there's kind of a glob with solid talent at, at second base, but maybe not. Well, I mean, those the high-end guys outside of I mean, Trey Turner's been a little disappointing, but Albies, Marte, Merrifield, Story, yeah. Semyon, it's, 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 it's like been a, rough. It's like a who's who of fringe power guys who may have may have had the rug pulled out from under them this year or may not. We'll see how the summer goes. All right. Sixth overall is my pick and I have Juan Soto who it has to be. We've been receiving some emails and tweets and people are what's going on with Juan Soto. He's been 236. He only has 14 RBI nearly here by the end of May. He's got eight homers. He has four steals. You, You really like to see that for Soto. Maybe it's just a thing where he gets off to slow starts. His first 45 games of 2021, he had an 837 OPS so far this year. First 45, 814 OPS, and he still finished with a tremendous season last year. Just look at the track record so far. Over 500 games with a 295 batting average, 966 OPS. I think better days are coming for Juan Soto. Uh, Oddly enough, he's been awful with runners in scoring position. This year, a 293 OPS. That's been 966 overall for his career. So I think RBIs will come. Better days will be had for Juan Soto. Sixth overall. And Scott, you are up with number seven. Can you recap the first six oh, for us? I yes. do just want to... Juan Soto's fine. There's zero... Like, oh, he doesn't have lineup protection. He didn't have lineup protection last year. He got off to a slow start. He had an 802 OPS on May May 25th last year. He's fine. It's Juan Soto. Mm -hmm. Don't overthink these things. There are little things. You know, line drive rate is down. Hard contact is down a little bit. But I think those will even out as the season goes along. The top six picks so far, Mike Trout, Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, Trey Turner, and Juan Soto. Scott, you are up. I'll go with Vladdy Daddy. Guerrero. Hopefully he put minds at ease with his... uh, his home run, uh, I guess I should say last week. <laughs> Maybe there's been more since then. I don't know. But he had been pretty quiet since that three-homer game in April. Uh, and, and the launch angle had been bad in May. But it was fine in April and, you know, still impacting the ball as hard as anybody with the kind of contact skills that are rare among players who impact the ball that hard. So I think he's another very safe bat at a time when no one is safe. Mm-hmm. 
the one thing that stands out, well, I guess a few things, ground ball rate being up for Vlad, which has been an issue in the past. It's got to improve that launch angle. And we spoke about this recently, but we had an emailer listen in. No, a listener email in. That would probably make more sense. Uh, about how Vlad crushed it in the minor league parks for the Blue Jays in 2021. But outside of those parks, he was a sub 900 OPS bat. So, I didn't want to be in the position where I had to make a decision about Vladimir Guerrero. Doesn't have the track record of some of these other players, so doesn't run. He doesn't run. He doesn't have the track record, but he certainly has the pedigree. Like he was, he was expected to be one of the best hitters in baseball, and finally became. I mean, he was the number one player in fantasy last year, even as somebody who doesn't run. And I don't think he's going to get back to. I don't think he's going to finish this year with forty-eight home runs. I'm not sure anybody will. Maybe Aaron Judge. But otherwise, not. So I actually had him fifth in my article. I had him ahead of both Trey Turner and Mookie Betts among the players who've been picked so far. But again, that's just... you. you there's an argument certainly to be made for those guys instead. All right. And with that, eighth overall, Chris, you're up. Yeah, I'm going to go with the guy who I'm pretty sure I had eighth overall to start the season. And that's Bryce Harper. Because... I think you can make an argument that his star has dimmed a little bit because of the injury. And there is certainly increased risk as a result of that. It's also worth noting that he's played like the best player in fantasy since the injury. Uh, He he DH'd for the first time on April 17th. He hasn't played the field since then. In 30 games... He has a 361 average, a 1098 OPS, nine homers, 24 RBI, 23 runs, five steals. He's on a 254 run, 49 homer, 27 steal pace since the injury. So clearly it's not bothering him. It's bothering him so that he can't throw, but it has not been an issue so far. His average exit velocity, his quality of contact metrics all arguably better than they ever have been. Interestingly, his walk rate has collapsed. He has a sub 13% walk rate for the first time. It's actually 6.5%. I Maybe that's, he just doesn't want to stand up there in the holding. Maybe the holding the yeah. bat stance hurts more I, I than heard, the swinging stance. I don't speculation know. On, uh, it, was, it was from the Braves broadcast team, but I think it was Jeff Francoeur. He was speculating that maybe the walk rate is down because he's, he, he just he just doesn't want his at bats to be as long, you know. But I mean, yeah, like he's swinging at the first pitch fifty four percent of the time for his career. That's thirty nine percent of the time. He's swinging fifty seven percent overall for his career. That's forty seven percent. He is chasing a little more, uh, but it hasn't really led to an increase in whiff rate at all. So I don't know, man. Bryce Harper's awesome, and I, I think the only real risk is just that he gets hurt. Well, it's and the biggest like risk that he, it's, yeah, that he, he has, he has, he's already hurt. He has, he's already biggest, hurt. Yes. He has the biggest risk factor of any player we're going to talk about today. And, and but, that was enough for me to push him to round two. Like if it was strictly a matter of production, I'm with you. He deserves to be this high. Yeah. He's a reigning MVP and is performing like it again, but he can't, he can't play the outfield well, right now. He's, if he was he, doing this and didn't have injuries, yeah, would he be third? I think he's top five. He'd be, he'd be, I think, I mean, you'd probably take him over Ronald Acuna right now, right? Given that we know Ronald Acuna is going to get time off and he's currently hurt. No, I, I mean, the, the difference between a Harper and I know you're saying if we knew yeah. Harper was healthy, but I expect Acuna's playing time to improve. Sure, sure, sure. On. I think Harper's can only get worse. If if the Phillies fall out of it, I mean, he might he might shut down for the season. If it, there's a chance the elbow could get worse so that he can't even play DH. I know they're hoping at some point it improves enough that he can go back to the outfield, but like it, it's, it's, it's the sort of injury where it could yeah. everything could just suddenly end, even if he's playing great right now. All right. Well, I am up with pick number nine, and I got a few things here. Considering some third baseman, considering pitching, but I kind of agree with you, Scott. I think I I would rather. Knowing what we know now, I would want to load up on elite bats before I grab the first starting pitcher off the board. 
I'm just going to do it. So few of them. I'm going to go with the Homer pick and I'm going to go with Aaron judge who has probably been the fantasy MVP so far. He's first overall in Roto. He's averaging 4.3 fantasy points per game. He leads major league baseball with 17 home runs. He's batting over 300. The stack numbers are always amazing for judge. They are even better. So he's motivated. Not that he hasn't been in the past, but he's playing for a contract obviously. And you know, there are risk factors with him. Can Aaron Judge stay healthy? I, you know, I think we still have those questions. But we've also seen him be this caliber of player in the past. 2017, it's been a while, but he was the third overall player. He had 52 home runs that season. I think that he is the gold standard of power right now. And he'll even chip in, you know, a handful of steals. So I get the injury risk, but I'm going to go with Aaron Judge. Ninth overall. Mm-hmm. Now, see, that's another guy who I think we could talk about top five, if not for the injury risk. Like that's the only thing. Cause we know he's the best power hitter in baseball. We've known that since he hit, what was it? 52 home runs as a rookie. Yep. But not just because he hit 52 home runs because his exit velocity stand out so much from everybody else. It was kind of, it, it was kind of overkill in the juice ball era. Like he didn't need to hit that, to hit the ball that hard to, to be a 35, 40 Homer guy. But, but now it means more. And so now I think he's, uh, clearly the odds on favorite, uh, obviously he leads the majors in home runs already. And I don't think he's going to hit 60 plus, but even from today forward, I think he's the odds on favorite to lead the majors in home runs. So, uh, yeah, if not for that injury risk, you know, we, we, we could talk, I mean, we could probably talk about number one overall, if not for that. Yeah. I mean, the production is very similar to that of Mike Trout. It's actually been better. It's, you know, can he keep it up? Can he stay healthy? Let's go to 10th overall. Scott, you're up. So I have two third basemen, six and seven, in my own personal rankings. I'm going to go with the higher ranked of those two, Manny Machado, who the difference between him and obviously the other one's Rafael Devers. The the difference mainly is stolen bases. Manny Machado, we've seen be a a pretty good base dealer in the past, but it's, it's been hit or miss over the years. He's clearly running this year, though. And in terms of what he's done as a hitter, it's been great, obviously. It's been more than he can sustain, but at the same time, like his his Statcast page is full of red. He was as as good as he was last year. He was one of the biggest underachievers in terms of expected stats. So he he should have been even better last year. And he has a history as a first round viable bat uh, during his t- or during his days with the Orioles. So. I think to to lock up third base with somebody who's actually going to make a difference there and set my team apart. Like th- I think that's the position where you can most clearly set your team apart from your competition is third base. And uh, I want to do it. I want to do it I'll, with my first round pick. I'll go a little further. Uh, I you've got Machado endeavors back to back, but obviously it's just an ordinal ranking. I don't know what the gap between six and seven is. I don't actually think it's all that close between them. I think Machado's a comparable hitter to Rafael Devers. I think you can make an argument that he's as good or better. And he steals bases. So I I think Machado clearly stands out. If you're looking to, you know, elevate people because of third base, I think Devers is a, a reasonable choice, but I I think Devers is more like a second rounder and Machado is a clear first rounder for me. I know it hasn't been that way so far. I think Manny Machado is going to have a at season's end. It'll be a 20, 30 point gap in batting average. And I would, I would expect Devers to have more home runs too, but, but yeah, they're both Machado's a great hitter too. I'm not trying to sell that short. I just think Devers is a little better as far as that goes. And in points dis- leagues, he's walking a, a lot more than Devers. You know, I yeah. don't know how sustainable that is, but that's mm-hmm. been the case so far, at least. This is kind of a, a thing I want to stress by having the, I have so I have th- in my own personal top seven. I have three third basemen. If if we're going back to a pre-juice ball standard, then I think that also means going back to a time when position scarcity is more of a thing, a time when adhering to the tiers approach in drafts made even more sense because certain positions are going to have fewer impact players than other positions and 
as in not enough to go around, not enough to go around even in a 10-team league, much less a 12-team league. And I think third base is it stands out as the the number one position for that right now. I mentioned second base also to a degree, but second base doesn't have as many good choices on the high end. So I think so, we might be going back to a day where it's like, I think back to my earliest days doing this. It was Hanley Ramirez and Troy Tulowitzki were the great hitting shortstops. And after that, it was like, I don't know, maybe Jimmy Rollins is in there sometimes. Maybe you're taking a shot on Brad Miller, taking a big step forward. Like it gets really bad after the studs. And I think we may be returning to that. I, I, I will say though, man, outfield might be like that now too. Yeah. Like there's always, there are so many players who play outfield, but every time I do my rankings, I just, I hit like 18 to 20 and I'm just like, I don't know if anybody else is good. Like yeah. I, I've got say Suzuki and Kyle Schwarber and Brian Reynolds all in my top 25 or top 30 still. And like, I don't actually know if any of those guys are good. <laughs> it's, I think you kind of yeah. see it reflected here too, Chris, because seven of the first 10 picks are outfielders. So, yeah. you know, we, we clearly want to get our hands on, on those elite bats, those elite outfielders, and that's, uh, that's kind of been the case so far here in this draft. I will point out with Machado, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I think that he's awesome, but I also think that he's kind of running hot with batting average right now. Sure, a sure obviously. Yeah, a 406 BABIP, he's not going to maintain that, so just keep that in mind moving forward, but he's still amazing. Chris, you are up 11th overall. So I've got Shohei Otani here. Um, it's been a little bit of a disappointing start, but when a disappointing start means that you're on a 35 homer, 25 steal pace, you're a pretty awesome player. And that's not even getting into the fact that I've got him as a top 20 starting pitcher. You know, if you're if you're in a format where you can use both his hitting and pitching stats at all times. I still think he's a candidate for the number one pick, and I, honestly, he might just be the number one pick. Uh, it might not even be worth discussing if you can actually get all of those stats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can get them um, all. Yeah, I agree. But the the nice thing is like, okay, say you're disappointed by his hitting so far. Well, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball too. So, yeah. you know, it, it's frustrating when you can't get both of those and when you do have to make a decision, and more often than not, the decision should be just use him as a hitter because you're going to get more opportunities for stats. But yeah, the the elite production from two different spots, it doesn't hurt. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like like I said, a disappointing start where he's on a 35 home or 25 steal, 110 run, 105 RBI pace. That's pretty awesome. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I still feel it's very good about Shohei Otani. As a batter, his strikeout rate is way down. So, like yeah. the, the the most concerning aspect of his profile is improved, even. And he's still elite in quality of contact. Yeah, I, I think yeah. pretty much everything still suggests like he won't be as good as he was last year, probably. But he doesn't have to be to be worth this spot. Yep, and. Just as a pitcher, I know you touched on it, Chris. He's ranked inside the top 20 starting pitchers for each of us. So again, if you play in a daily lineup league where you can get all of Otani's stats, pitcher and hitter, he's likely the first overall pick. As a pitcher this season, he's second in K-minus walk rate, fourth in XFIP, second in Sierra. He's just, he's awesome. He is he is a unicorn. Uh, 12th overall for me, I'm debating a few different directions here. A couple of hitters that don't steal, but... We've got that kind of um, position scarcity argument for them. Another hitter that does steal that's kind of gotten off to a slow start. And I'm going to go in that direction. I'm going to take Bo Bichette. I, okay. I'm not overly confident about it. And Chris, that's like, who I have as well. Chris, like you, I, I kind of struggle with the not a great actual hitter, lower OPS bat, but someone that can, when he's right, go 30-20 or a 30-20 pace for the rest of the season. So I think the Blue Jays lineup will be better rest of season. So far, Bo Bichette batting 240. He's got six homers. He's got four steals. The expected numbers say that Bo Bichette should actually be much better than what he's been thus far. Uh, he's not going to walk very much, so that hurts him in points leagues. There are a few different directions you can go. I, I don't know that this is the right answer, but I I'm going to go with Bo Bichette 12th overall. I have him 19th. 
So there are there are a few different directions I would go. But, you know, if he if he ends up performing like a first rounder the rest of the way, it certainly wouldn't surprise me. All right. So and that you, top 12. Go ahead, Chris. And the biggest issue he's had, if you look at like the pitch level stuff, is he's not hitting fastballs well. That I feel like will reverse itself. He's been a very good fastball hitter throughout his career. So I think he'll be much better moving forward. The first round for us here, Mike Trout, Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, and then Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, Manny Machado, Shohei Otani, and Bo Bichette. Let's take a break. But first, just a reminder to join our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group if you haven't already. Lots of fun questions being asked. Just a great community right now. Waiver questions, dynasty, trades, whatever you've got, you can throw it in there, post it up, and people will respond. Have some fun there. Again, that's facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. We'll take a break and we'll be back right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Let's jump into the second round of our redraft, rest of season. Move a little bit quicker on these picks. And 13th overall, Scott, I have a feeling I know where you're going. Well, yeah, because you have my list in front of you. It's the, it's true. It's the one that's published. Um, yeah, Jordan Alvarez, I think, is a, is a pretty easy call here. Wait, 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 Scott. You skipped somebody. Oh, did I? Did I oh, neither of you took Devers. No, we didn't. Oh jeez. Yep. Okay. Well then, Rafael Devers. That's an even, that's an even easier call. Yeah, he's my seventh overall player, and he has been. He just seems to keep getting better as a hitter. It just seems to keep getting better. He has. He's one of the few who I think his opposite field power still translates. He's a guy who likes to drive it the opposite way, and he drives it the opposite way with enough authority that even with the the ball being deadened. He can still send it out that way. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I have no, I have no reservations about him as a hitter and he happens to be one of the few standouts at that terrible position. So Rafael Devers. Definitely considered him with that 12th overall pick that I made with Bo Bichette. Uh, Rafi Devers is awesome. One of those top th- uh, top 11 in Roto right now. Three third basemen inside of that top 11. He's amazing. Chris, you're up with the 14th overall pick. Yeah, I'll go with Freddie Freeman, who is another guy who hasn't really moved in my rankings one way or the other so far. I think I had him 12th coming into the season. I believe I have him 12th overall right now. Um, He hasn't been quite as good as we'd hoped, but the underlying numbers are all still terrific. He's still hitting a ton of uh, line drives. He's still hitting the ball really hard in the air. So like a 297 batting average is excellent. I don't think it's fluky. I don't think, you know, he, he's someone who could easily hit 320. And I wouldn't blink. And I think there's a lot more power coming than we've seen. So Freeman is, he's just about a perfect hitter. And, you know, first base isn't third base, but it's not like we're 
you know, we it's not like we've got too many good first basemen these days either. So I um I'm happy it's to probably take the best position. There. But yeah, I mean yeah. In, in terms of in terms of elite bats. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. It it gets real thin real quick too though. Unless you got a lot of faith in like CJ Crone and Reese Hoskins and Josh Bell, who we all liked, but I mean Crone's been uh, yeah, he's been very good. That's not, the, I'm not saying he deserves to be drafted in the first two rounds. Yeah, no, he's been awesome, but, you know, I, I like, he's my number seven first baseman. Yeah. That's the profit Damn. pocket, baby. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's been somewhat profitable. Yeah, sure has. Uh, Freddie Freeman, I, I think more power is coming. The 5.6% home run to fly ball ratio way down from his career. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that low. Yeah, no, it's nearly one. Th- it actually is one third of where yeah. he's been at in his career. So I think more power coming for Freddie Freeman. That's wild. He also has three steals, the same amount as Mookie Betts, who went as the third overall pick in this draft. And for me, 15th overall. Another player that I was debating uh, in the at the end of the first round that is Jordan Alvarez. Scott, you you mentioned him already, go. and yeah. if you look at his just kind of expected numbers and Statcast data side by side with Aaron Judge, mm-hmm. it's very similar. He's kind of just a left-handed Aaron Judge right now. Lots of batting average. I know it hasn't come yet. He's only hitting 246, but his BABIP is very low. His expected batting average, 323 for Alvarez. He walks a ton. He makes a lot of contact, crushes the ball. One of the best lineups in the in baseball with the Houston Astros. Yep. He's. I think we're kind of past this knee concern that we had the past couple of years, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Aaron, Ju- uh, Aaron Judge. You're on Alvarez, his 15th overall for me. Yeah, one of the safest sources of power at a time when power is very questionable. So, I, I, I actually had him in my first round. All right, 16th overall, your backup, Scott. His teammate, Kyle Tucker, is who I'm going to go with here. For the second straight year, he's trailing his expected stats, but obviously that came to fruition last year. He ended up performing up to that level. Um, Doesn't strike out much. I I think the most encouraging thing about Kyle Tucker is that he's doubled down as a base stealer after how many did he have last year? Like 14. It, it was, a, it was a range of stolen bases where it wouldn't take much for him just to become not a base dealer anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, he's already at nine this year. So he's gone the other way. He's, he's made that even more of a, uh, a focal point of his game, even though he's not that fast. Well, it doesn't matter as long as you're running. Uh, yeah. So I think Kyle Tucker, it's kind of, like I prefer him to Bo Bichette, two bounce back candidates there. You mentioned Bo Bichette's expected stats look good. Tucker's look even better. Yep. Plus Tucker's been the more the more prolific base dealer so far. The only the only thing I would say regarding Tucker versus Bichette is Tucker is still hitting curiously low in that lineup. Um, he still hits no higher than fifth, often sixth a lot day, a lot of days. And that's going to cost him counting stats, you know, especially if we think these two lineups are fairly similar. You know, Bo Bichette already has, what is it, 15 more plate appearances in the same number of games. So that's not a huge deal. But over the course, you know, it's an extra plate appearance every four games or so. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you think they're fairly close, that could be a tiebreaker. So I think it's, I also think it's reasonable to think that it's not that close and Tucker's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those are, are definitely two reasonable takes there between those players. And Tucker's hitting 240, his XBA is 296. The nine steals in 43 games, that is a 31 steal pace over 150 for Kyle Tucker. So as you cited, Scott, you love to see it. Chris, you're back up 17th overall. All right, let's break the seal. Let's get our first pitcher out here. And I was, I've kept Garrett Cole as my number one starting pitcher all year until 20 seconds ago. (laughs) But I moved Corbin Burns one spot ahead of him in the overall rankings, one spot ahead of him in the starting pitcher rankings. So I will take Corbin Burns. They've actually been very similar so far this season. Both of their strikeout rates are slightly down from last season, but they're both still in the 10.5K per nine range. I just, I think the evidence suggests that since the sticky substance ban, 
Cole is still a, an awesome pitcher, but I think Burns is better. And you know what flipped it in Burns' favor for me just now? Same number of starts. He's thrown six and a third more innings, mm-hmm. which I found quite surprising. Um, I can't remember. Did Gar- Garrett Cole did have the one outlier short start, one and a two-thirds innings that could be skewing those, that, but yeah. I don't necessarily think that Corbin Burns is at like an innings deficit anymore, at least. All right. Yeah, I think Burns is a clearer number one than Cole is number two, actually. Though I do have Cole number two. All right. And will I select Garrett Cole? No, not yet. 18th overall, I am going to go with Luis Robert. I loved him coming into the season, and nothing has really changed to kind of uh, dissuade me from believing in Luis Robert. Um, The strikeout rate is actually down again, so he's making a ton of contact. He's hitting 285. He's got six homers, six deals. He's missed some time. He's on the COVID list right now when we're recording this, but the expected numbers are awesome. And the ground ball rate is curiously high for Luis Robert. And based on what we've seen before 2022, I would expect that to drop back down a little bit and hopefully we see more power coming. And overall, the White Sox lineup just improving. Jose Abreu hasn't lived up to expectations, neither has Yasmani Grandal, so that should lead to more accounting stats for Luis Robert. To recap the first half of round two, Rafael Devers, Freddie Freeman, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Corbin Burns, and Luis Robert. Scott, you are up 19th overall. So I will go ahead and take Garrett Cole here, number 19. Don't really need to get too much into that, but I will just point out that our top 19, our combined top 19 now are the same as my individual top 19 in terms of the names. Obviously, I've talked about some of the differences in the order, but through 19 picks, it's my top 19. All right, Garrett Cole got off to the slow start this season, but his last six starts, he's got a 2.45 ERA, 2.19 XFIP, 50 strikeouts to five walks over 40 and a third innings pitched. He looks a lot. He's still like great. Garrett like Cole. I, I get the yeah. sense people are disappointed in Garrett Cole, but he's he's not he's not like an outlier at starting pitcher anymore. But he's still amazing, and you don't need to be disappointed. All right, now's where things get interesting because the, the, the easy 19 are down. Yep. And you are up, Chris, 20th overall. So for me, I have a, a starting pitcher. And I would guess we all have starting pitchers ranked next because it feels it does feel like there's a drop in hitter quality. My next hitter is George Springer, who's been a little disappointing um, so I'm going to go with Carlos Rodon, who is my number three starting pitcher. And it's sort of like Trout and Judge and I don't know if there's any other players like that so far, but if there were no questions about health, I think you could make a case that Carlos Rodon would be the number one starting pitcher. Uh, on a per inning basis, he's been as good or better than anyone in baseball since the start of last season. Uh, leads the majors in case per nine. Uh, leads the National League in FIP, even though his ERA is 3.43. I um, <laughs> and, and the thing is, he's doing it just by throwing fastballs. He's mm-hmm. just throwing like 70% fastballs. And that's an amazing pitch, but his slider is also an amazing pitch. So it, it's the kind of thing where if he needs to make some kind of an adjustment, I think Carlos Rodon is well equipped to do that. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's my my pick for the number three starting pitcher and the number nineteen, number twenty player overall. Chris, my question to you would be: Why not who I'm about to select and take Kevin Gosman over Carlos Rodon? Doesn't have the same mm. injury concerns. The swinging strike rate is higher. The control has been amazing. Five walks over his first nine starts. The underlying metrics are even better than Carlos Rodon. Mm-hmm. I have Gosman as my SP3 right now in the ranking, so I'll take him with this pick, but why not Gosman over Rodon? I feel like I'm better at predicting performance than I am injury, and I have fewer concerns about Carlos Rodon's performance than I do Kevin Gosman's. Kevin Gosman is pitching out of his mind right now. He's been incredible, but there's a reason that he was being drafted lower than his surface stats last season. And that's because he struggled pretty mightily in the second half. And we haven't really seen 
the full season of ace level production. Remember, Kevin Gosman was this good to start last season and then slipped in the second half. So no, it's it's nothing against Kevin Gosman, but I've got him sixth at starting pitcher, um, which is quite high. Yeah, uh, it sure is. But he's more like a third round pick for me. I updated the rankings recently, and I felt weird myself just putting Kevin Gosman as my third-ranked pitcher. It just, it didn't feel right. Why? How is he in the conversation with Burns and Garrett Cole? But yeah. he's he's been that awesome. So the last three picks have been starting pitchers: Garrett Cole, Carl Sverdon, Kevin Gosman. Scott, will you keep it keep it rolling here? I will. This will be the last pitcher that is in my own personal top twenty-four, and it's a different. This happens to be my number three pitcher, so we each have a different number three pitcher, but all three of ours are in my top two rounds. Anyway, so mine's Justin Verlander, who's actually been the best pitcher in fantasy so far, and I just think I just think he's unimpeachable. Like, he's... The innings are going to be there. The wins are going to be there. Like, even among the high-end guys we're naming, he seems particularly bankable, which seems weird to say for a guy coming back from Tommy John, but he's also Justin Verlander. He's arguably the best pitcher of his generation, and, and so why why would you have reason to doubt him? Swinging strike rates down some, but it's been rising lately. I, I think he's I think he's awesome. All righty, Justin Verlander. He's currently the second overall player in Roto. He's the SP1 in fantasy points per game. Strikeout, swinging strike rate down a little bit, but he's going deep. Ratios are awesome. Pitches for a great team. I think it makes uh, a ton of sense. He's he's in my top five starting pitchers as well. Chris, you are up 23rd overall, and technically your last pick, so make it count. Oh, So I, I do have... Mine. Oof. I do want to be clear that I think there is a sizable drop-off um, at this point. And you can go any number of ways. I'm going to go with the guy that I was very high on coming into the season, who I still continue to like, and I think better days are coming, and that's George Springer, who I mentioned was my top-ranked hitter remaining a couple picks ago. I'm sure I'm on an island there. Um, yeah. But I just I continue to believe in the batted ball skills. I think the power will be even better moving forward. And I think uh, 272 average, I would take the over moving forward. So I, uh, I still believe in George Springer. And I think that faith kind of coincides with just having faith in the Blue Jays lineup, bouncing yeah. back Vlad and Bichette and Springer, obviously, and Teoscar Hernandez, who we spoke about recently on the podcast. If they can all get back on track and better days are coming for Yeah, them. and and I and I want to say like I have faith in George Springer too. I just I do think there are a few hitters I would consider over him. That's all. Mm. Including one you really like, Chris. And who are those hitters? I have the last I pick. I don't get to make any more picks. Of the draft, Mr. <laughs> Irrelevant, but actually quite relevant. Hmm. Uh, oh, this is tough. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt who is definitely not the flashy pick here, but he has just been so rock solid. He got off to a slow start in April. Same thing happened last year for him as well. He's had an awesome May. He's batting now well over 300. He's got seven homers. He's got three steals. That Cardinals lineup has been awesome so far. Arenado, nice bounce back for him. The young kids are up. Juan Yepes has looked great. Nolan Gorman, hopefully he can add to that lineup. Uh, Harrison Bader running at will. So I, I like this lineup. I know he's kind of old and boring, but power, speed, batting average. Paul Goldschmidt, 24th overall for me. But honestly, I think there's 10 different directions that you could have gone with this pick, honestly. Yeah, can I mention one? Sure. This is who I would have taken if I had another pick. He's my 22nd overall player. It's Tim Anderson. Mm. Now, Tim Anderson has a 380 Babbitt, which sounds very high. Last That's year, just what he does. Right. Last year, 372. The year before, 383. The year before, 399. So very normal for Tim Anderson to have a 380 Babbitt. But he's batting 355 this season. He's cut his strikeout rate in half. Maybe it's just a small sample size thing, but that that is that is a skill a hitter can improve. If he has become a better contact hitter while still demonstrating that outlier balls and play ability like th this is the most legitimate 350 batting average 
ever if that's like one of them it's among yeah, it's it's comparable to like jose altuve when he was running those kind of batting averages right right like normally you just look at that a number that high batting average even if a guy sustains it over a full season and you say okay well it was just kind of a fluky thing but it may not be in tim anderson's case plus he's running a ton he uh you know he's not a huge power source but he's hitting for enough yeah, I think I think he deserves to go in the first two rounds. By all, it's an interesting case. I hadn't noticed his K rate being down that much. Yeah, by all accounts that we look at, all hitter measurements, this is the best version of Tim Anderson that we've seen. OPS, WOBA, weighted runs created plus, they're all currently a career high. He's got seven steals in 37 games. That is a 28 steal pace over 150 games. You Tim Anderson kind of has this, you know, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout thing where. He's he struggled to stay on the field for a full season, but if he can do mm-hmm. it, we're probably looking at a you know twenty twenty case, batting average well over three hundred and a and a bunch of runs scored. He has increased his chase rate to the highest of his career. It's actually ca- tying a career high, uh, but he's making contact on pitches outside of the strike zone sixty eight percent of the time, which is also a career high. He's making contact on pitches inside of the strike zone eighty eight percent of the time. That's also a career high. So he's just making contact with everything right now, and it's not leading to weak contact. You know, his his hard hit rate is 59th percentile. That's pretty normal for him. Um, actually, well above his career normal. It's normal based on last season. His average exit velocity seems mostly fine. Like, he's he's managing to make a lot more contact without sacrificing the quality of the contact, and that's a that's a hard trick to pull off. Um, but Tim Anderson's career is kind of defined by pulling off hard tricks. It's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to have a 360 career BABIP or whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah. he does. Yeah. Right. Um, so now that's a good point. Can I... I didn't really consider moving him up this high, but it he's not that far off, and he's actually ranked higher than the guy Frank took 24th for me. So I'm just going to say the name. And this is a name that Frank mentioned last night. I can't remember if we were on the air or not. But we might as well just mention him. How far is Julio Rodriguez from the second round at this point? I don't I don't think he's that far off, honestly. <clears throat> I think he's pretty far. Like he's on a twenty fifty pace without hurting you in batting average. The Mariners have recently moved him to the top half of the lineup. He's, he's on a an elite fifty pace. How, how yeah. is he on a twenty fifty pace when his slugging percentage is like below four hundred? He's got five home runs. And yeah, five home runs. They all came in May. He's batting over three hundred in the month yeah. of May. It just kind of feels like like he's still striking out a lot. Um, is he striking it's, it's, out more in May? Uh, yeah, he's striking out. No, he's cut it to about twenty six percent in yeah. May, which is perfectly reasonable. He's still running a ton. I just. It's probably it's, a big assumption that he's going to sustain this steals pace. That's that's the main thing, I guess. Yeah. But, and, and, it, and it totally like it totally rely and going this high would totally rely on him doing that. Yes, I'm just saying it's an elite. I, I'm just saying we're going to do this exercise probably at the All Star break again. Mm-hmm. You may have changed your mind by then. Okay. Yeah, and even if the steals pace comes down, if we're talking about a a 25-25 hitter with a 280 batting average, that's that's a top 24 well, player, so. And mm-hmm. I don't, I I think the steals pace will slow down, but I didn't think he was going to run this much to begin with. So, he's kind of like he is an outlier in that regard and the way they're letting him play, maybe he just continues to be an outlier. You know, he was on a 40 steel pace last season at an efficient pace as well so i just i wanted to mention him yeah that's fair fair enough a few that just missed the cut here according to uh scott's article which you should go read go check it out on the site jose altuve nolan arenado uh actually pete alonzo was scott's 24th overall player so we didn't even get to him but walker bueller jazz chisholm trevor story zach wheeler joe musgrove uh alec manoa was not on that list but i i think he Probably is pushing towards that list. Byron Buxton. <laughs> Byron Buxton, who... Uh, if not I, for the playing time issues, because yep. they don't 
they're they're just sitting him so often. Yeah, so that those would probably all kind of take up the third round. Uh, I'll just ask. We'll wrap up with this one, Scott. Where would Fernando Tatis? Do you have an idea of where Tatis would land if you were kind of just playing this draft out a little bit further? No later than round four, okay. maybe round three. He, like, I, I kind of wanted to get him in my top two rounds here. It's just, you know, the fact he hasn't even started swinging a bat yet, that, that makes the timetable yeah. very questionable still. If, if it looked like he was going to be back within a matter of two, three weeks, then I might have been able to get him as high as round two. All right, makes sense to me. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Have a happy and healthy Memorial Day, and we will be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.